Hello hey. and happy new year. Happy Welcome to new year. 2022. Have you seen the meme where it's like when you realize that 2022 is 2022? Like the sequel. Yeah. Yeah, that's... <laughs> no. Or T-O-O. I hate that. Yeah. Casey has not seen that meme. I'm we'll not. make sure to send it to you after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that was it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, no. I, yeah, I don't know. It's you just a picture You don't need form. to send it to Oh, <laughs> Lord, please no. Yeah. Anyway... Um, welcome to the January edition of the Woodman Worship Podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. We took a little break in December with all the Christmas things happening. A little peek behind the curtain, too. It's actually December 22nd when we're recording wow. this. So Christmas has not happened yet. Yeah, there's nothing happening. But I have to, you know, for the people, play a character on this podcast as <laughs> if Christmas has already happened and Why we're in the new year. Why would you tell them this? <laughs> That's what all the pros do. <laughs> I do. I can't live a lie for the next 30 minutes. Oh <laughs> <laughs> this is 2021 Stephen pretending to be 2022 Stephen. It's, yeah. So <laughs> how, how was your first week of 2022? Oh, man. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Lovely first week. You Thank you same. to all who played on the January 1-2 weekend, sacrificing your New Year's holiday to play with us. Yeah, apparently January 1st, a big sports day. Yeah, Carson is not convinced, but... <laughs> all my all that. my real ones out there know that January first is a huge sports day. You got all the college football bowl games. You got the NHL outdoor game. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. You probably yes. got some other. You got some basketball going on. No I'm idea. sure. Uh, NFL playoffs are kicking in. I think mm. so. It is a big sports day. Yeah, we were like we were like talking scheduling for for that weekend. Like who's gonna play on New Year's Day weekend? Because like. There's nothing going on, right? Like it's January first. There's nothing going on. And then Chuckery pointed out that it was a big sports Huge day. Sports I had no day. idea. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. Let's uh, look at what is on the radar for the month of January. Uh, it is a new series on the Ten Commandments. I've heard of them. Yes. Very exciting. Uh, so each week was a different commandment, um, and then we've got a new song that we actually introduced online on the 25th and 26th of December and are now playing in January. Carson, tell us about the new song. It's called A Thousand Names by Phil Wickham and Sean Curran. And yeah, really cool, beautiful, like kind of four-minute building song. Um, That's a, a scriptive and has a bunch of names of God in the song, and um, yeah, really good, just like vertical, um, declarative song. So we're excited to introduce that. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. I guarantee. I know you by a thousand names, and you deserve every single one. Speaking of vertical, great transition, Carson. A couple new songs <laughs> come out recently. Not not a lot of uh, 
kind of normal worship songs, I say, because we just came off the Christmas season. It's a lot of Christmas releases. But a couple uh, worship songs that came out this month. Casey, what's one that you're excited about? Um, Vertical came out with a song called Blessed. I don't think it's Blessed. Blessed? How do they like, sing it in the song? They sing Blessed. Oh, well, Blessed that, are the... Yeah. That you know, like it's that. like, yeah, it's yeah. like... The Beatitudes. Beatitudes, yeah. yeah. The Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the... the Weak and weary. Um, then there's hashtag blessed, right? Which is just like which is what I thought it was, and I didn't even yeah. want to listen to it. And yeah. then, yeah, and then I did, and I was so glad that I did. And it's it's really beautiful, That's and good. it's <laughs> <laughs> it was it's a great song about our need for God, um, and just really of of great surrender, um, giving everything to Him. So uh, here's a clip. Forgot another song we've played it before, mostly on Good Fridays, I think actually. Yeah. Um, but somewhat new. Is he worthy? By Andrew Peterson. That's right. Is that right. Thank he you. is. Um, I don't know. It's kind of it's different. It's uh, a little call and responsey. It's got some lament language in it, um, but gets also super vertical toward the end. So. Yeah, I think is needed in our kind of rotation of songs. We don't really have much like it. And I don't know anyone who dislikes this song. So it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? beautiful and uh worship team people you can help us out as we introduce this song if you're in the congregation when we say do you feel the world is broken i want you guys to lead the charge and say we do if you do not i would love to talk to you yes (laughs) yeah that would actually be a red flag yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right it'll be great you guys are gonna love it well you know it's January, and we right. didn't do a. I don't know. It's so funny. Um, it's we, definitely January. We didn't do a uh, December podcast, 
So I thought it'd be fun, Carson, in case you didn't know about this, to do a look back at 2021. And you know how like all these, you know, magazines or websites or whatever do like their best of the year or top mm. lists to do a little bit of that. Just a couple things. And it's a nice trip down memory lane because who remembers January 2021? No one. We weren't even open January 1st, 2021. Whoa. You know that? Yeah, but we but it was the first weekend in January we were, right? I think no, it was January 10th. Yeah. I okay. Think. Yeah. Yeah. January 9, 10. Should we check that? Sure. You think it's January 9, 10? Yeah. You think it was 9, 10? I think it was too. Yeah. But that's nice because it is, it's important to remember. It is important what to reflect. God's done. Mm-hmm. So I have a list. I think I got all of them. I may have missed a couple if they were like one offs. For the most part, I think I got all of them. A list of all the songs we introduced in 2021. Oh. And you all can tell me your favorite one. Oh, right. yeah. Ready? Look what God has done. Promises. Son of Heaven. Fresh Wind. Make Room. Battle Belongs. House of Miracles. Faithful Now. Egypt. Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. And Goodness of God. Wow. Wow. We did good this year. We did good we did this great. year. That's a great list. Wow. There are a lot of songs on there I really love. Look what God has done. You can give me a top three. I love Look What God has done. I think that might be my favorite. Wow. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of good ones on there. But that one, even as you kept reading them, I was like, yeah, but Look What God has done is a great... Musically or lyrically? All of it, yeah. Absolutely. And it was such like... It was such a powerful song to introduce after reopening. Yes. Mm. Um, So I think it'll always be tied to that. For sure. For me. Uh, But then... But then, yeah, musically, it's like... It's It's so fun. It's such a blast. And... When everyone nails the break, mm-hmm. they all just kind of like smiled on the floor. Yes, yeah, yeah. like everyone, you know, everyone's waiting for it. It's fun. Like it's just fun to play it's as a band, and um, yeah, great song. It is. It's such a great song, and it's. Um, I love. I love how God uses certain songs in certain seasons, like you said. Like it's going to be tied to remembering that church was closed for a year, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that we did get to reopen. Like we played and, it that first weekend, I think, right. When, when there was like a video of all the things that happened, yeah, like in the, our oh, online yeah. season, and it kind of led it, or it, it happened like during the breaks, maybe of the song. Remember, we had to extend the instrumentals. Well, that was for launch. Oh, that was for launch. But that I think we good. did also do it for opening yeah. weekend. I think you're right. But it was just, yeah, I think that one's definitely tied to this season in a wonderful way. Um, that's really cool. Oh, another one on that list that stuck out to me as you said it yet not i but through christ and me is such a good song um it's it's not me it's you (laughs) (laughs) some combination of i mean it's an easier title for sure for sure it's not me it's you yeah um but it's such a it has like a really comforting hymn melody to it um but the words are just so profound and deep um and a great reminder that it's Christ's power in us, um, not our own strength that does anything good. So I think we've struggled a little bit to figure out where to put it in sets because it's so unique. Um, but when we find the right spot, it's always really powerful, and people always comment afterwards how much they love it. Mm. For me, it's probably promises, and it's less... I mean, the song's great, and I think it's it's rare when you introduce a song and it, it kind of feels like a home run in service anytime you play it almost immediately. Yeah. 
But to think about like that weekend where we did like the Kenneth video story yeah. and he was talking about that song and how he kind of clung to it mm. kind of through his kind of whole COVID journey. I'm just like, man, I'm never going to forget. I'm never going to like dissociate. I think yeah. that song from his story yeah. and him singing it even um, in that online service that week. So mm-hmm. that, that was pretty special. That's awesome. Um, okay. Part two. Favorite teaching series of the year. Ooh. And I will not ask you to go off and list all the teaching series that happened this year. Thank you. Just to, I'm sure you all know all of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Willing and Able from First Corinthians. Um, you know, a little bit about kind of laying down our rights for the sake of unity, for the sake of others, for loving others. Um, Hold Fast was kind of the Easter series, which is actually still kind of off First Corinthians, but um, it's kind of a mini part of that. Um, the Unwilling Prophet, Jonah, which happened kind of early summer. Um, Start Your Engines in August. Uh, from Hebrews, um, kind of looking at what we want to be about as a church going into the new ministry year. Then we just got off a few weeks ago from Overland, um, Exodus, Moses, the uh, not Egyptians, Israelites, <laughs> um, as they begin their journey out of Egypt. And then most recently, Awe and Wonder, the Christmas series. I'm going with Jonah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think... And I think specifically that was never like when I think about Jonah, I just think about like hearing the story in Sunday school. And so having that unpacked over how many weeks that was for a little bit uh, was super profound and like exposed like a depth of the story that I didn't quite. Six weeks. Six weeks. That I didn't quite even realize was there. Um, yeah. So I I was I really enjoyed that one. I don't I'm going to say willing and able. And I'm not, it wasn't a comfortable series. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't like a, a yay, feel good, I love this, <laughs> yay, God. It was really, really hard because it was the, we reopened as a church and it's about laying down your rights for others. And it was when, um, right at the tail of, you know, the COVID season, quarant- lots of quarantines, lots of shutdown, lots of disagreement on masks. No masks, quarantines, no quarantines, church should be open, church shouldn't be open. Um, and I think we all, you know, ex- experienced that tension, um, whether it was in our own families, um, in conversations about the issue, or with neighbors, or with friends, or with um, brothers and sisters in Christ at church. And so that that series um, really was profound, I think, for, and timely for just the season that our, our world was in, um, and really challenged me a lot in how to pursue unity and love in the church, um, differently than I had ever thought about it before. Uh, hard to pick, hard to pick one. I think I like several of them. I, I've been enjoying the Christmas series a lot. I think I like, I love the idea of looking at the story from kind of these different characters' perspectives. We had Zachariah, we have Mary. Um, you know, we're talking about the shepherds on Christmas Eve. And so um, it's felt fresh to mm. me a little bit this year, which yeah. has been fun. So Good. great. Well, there you go. That is your 2021 fun. Woodman Worship Year in Review.
All right. For our next segment, we uh, we just hosted a drum workshop with Jared Henderson, which I think we mentioned on the last podcast that it was happening, and it happened, and it was <laughs> awesome. Oh, it was incredible! Like, last year, it absolutely happened. incredible. I'm not a drummer. Chuck isn't a drummer. I want to be. No, minds were blown. Um, yeah, it was a great couple hours, and um, yeah. So for this month, we just wanted to take. A little segment from that, a little 10-15 minute segment, and share that with the rest of you. I really like, in particular, for most of these workshops, uh, we're asking that the people who come in to talk, like specifically on the philosophy behind their instrument or like their approach to it, more than like tips and tricks. And I think Jared did a great job at doing that for the drum kit in a way that, like, even if you're not a drummer, there are some ideas. And again, philosophies to just playing music in general that I think are transferable. So here's that. I thought I'd start by sort of just getting us on the same page as far as terms and what we do. Um, so we can all kind of like speak the same language. Um, so modern worship, the current era we're in, I talked to Alex for a little bit. He's been playing drums for a long time. He's seen the decades go by of different approaches to drumming. Alex, right? Okay. So the, the era we're in now, it's different even than 10 years ago and 15 years ago when I started playing, or 20 years ago. Um, I would say modern worship from our perspective is very drum heavy. It's groove driven. Um, a lot of songs now are they're instantly recognizable just simply from the drum groove. Can anybody think of those songs that you know within the first two bars what it is or within the first fill? Anybody name one of those? Totally, that first fill, even if they took away the arpeggiated thing, you know right away. I was thinking of Hosanna, that Hillsong song. It's a drum groove that kind of broke the, <laughs> broke the mold or Paul Mayberry just totally defining that song with that groove. So they're super featured and... and uh, important. They're forward in almost every mix now. And it's like vocals, drums, everything else sits around that. Um, and again, they're a key feature in almost every modern worship song. Not every song, but almost every one. It's, it's so key. So we have a very cool uh, role to play. I think sometimes, you know, worship drumming can get pigeonholed or defined a certain way. There's definitely some knocks on what we do. It's too simplistic. It's a bunch of eighth note builds. Uh, it's not that complex. I happen to disagree. It, it might not be that complex, but it is definitely a very specific dialect and a part of the drumming language that not everybody can speak. And so I wanna just encourage you guys, like. The kind of music we're playing, it is very specific. I have heard world-class drummers try to play in worship bands, and it doesn't always work. They can't speak the language. They might play the right notes, but it's, something's missing. A lot of times, jazz guys, you hear a jazz guy try to play drums. Jazz guys can play circles around me, but it's, doesn't, it's like something's off, right? So number one, um, worship drumming is unique, and so 
carry that. Like you're doing a, you're doing a really, it's a great, it's a cool genre of drumming and it's different than other stuff. Um, and I do want to make a side note, if you're one of the guys who's come from a different genre, that's amazing. And, but take it as seriously as I would take it if I was trying to go play metal or jazz or something. Learn the language and bring your unique flair, you know, from, your, from the genre you grew up in maybe. But um, especially watch the guys who, the big guys who play, you know, the, the guys who are in the whatever top five bands that we do all their songs every week. Watch them play, look at how they set up, look at their movement around the kit and try to lean that direction. Maybe don't totally change your approach, but that's one of the biggest keys is how guys move around the kit, in my opinion. So if you're coming from another genre, uh, dive into it that way. The playing style is simple and creative. Um, there's a lot of backbeats, obviously, but some of the stuff that goes on around the backbeats is really intricate and creative. And so dive into it. The, build, the eighth note builds, they're rarely just 16 or 32 measures of da, 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 da. The guys who do the really cool ones, there's a lot of complexity there. So it's very creative. And then I would say it's also very Tom-driven. Uh, a lot of washy cymbals, big, bombastic, hard-hitting kind of playing, um, which we'll get us, we'll talk more about that later, but it's why tuning is so important because we rely on toms with a lot of tone. If your toms are flat and flappy, the, the, it does not translate. And with the washi cymbals, there's a lot of, of stuff we have to approach with that to actually make it work in a mix for our front of house guys. Um, <clears throat> a couple more notes on this, our role in the band. Um, I would say we're the second leader musically. We're the loudest instrument on stage. We're the hardest one to control. We have the most dynamic power. Um, if we're not going there, the band can't go there. They can put the guitar amps back in the back room. They can go direct with the bass. Keys are all direct, but drums, they're just, they're unlike anything else. And especially in a genre that is so drum driven, it's really on us to be the second leader. Um, I like to say if, this, if the worship leader is the head, the drummer is the legs. So they might have the vision for where to go but we're the ones who can take them there. And that's not to puff us up, it's just the reality of the kind of music we play. Um, the music is, is waiting on us to drive it, I think. And so you have to approach it, I think, with that sort of leadership mentality. It's a great role, I think. I love it for my personality, especially because I don't like to be the guy in front. I like to have, though, that secret power <laughs> uh, where it, a lot rides on you. Nobody knows. I can't think, I mean, I can't name all the times that I've been at New Life just attending service and uh, not playing, just sitting in the crowd. And afterwards, somebody comes up and says, amazing job today playing the drums. They have no idea who was playing the drums. And I love that. It's a great thing. You, can, you, can, you work so hard. You sweat. You pour over it. Nobody has any idea you're back there. And that's a great thing for us, for us. Any of you who have ego issues, just remember that. And then for worship especially, because it's not about us, you're in the cage a lot of times. The, drum, the lights aren't hitting you. So it's my favorite role. Um, 
I said the band really can't go anywhere without the drums, specifically for the kind of music that we play. And I think we, at New Life, that's where I go still, we play similar to you guys. It's like Bethel, Hillsong, Phil Wickham, Elevation. If we do any Israel Houghton, we call it Israel Houghton Light. It's like, it's like Miller Light. Same great taste, but a lot less going on because I can't, I can't play gospel chops. Um, if I do a triplet fill with a hit, it's like a miracle. Um, so I don't know where I was going with that. The kind of, the kind of music we play, I want to make that specific distinction because I know there's others, other genres where some of what I'm saying isn't going to apply. I saw your guys' newsletter about the acoustic stuff you're doing this month. Some of this isn't going to apply to that. Um, so, specifically, our normal Sundays. That's what we're talking about. So, then the question is, how do we serve that? What are the, what are the approaches technically? Uh, what are the approaches with our, um, our attitude when we come to church? Our mentality with playing? I think there's a lot to, said for in, uh, there's a lot to be said for intent, what you put behind the notes. It's not just playing boom, bap. It's that comes from your intention. Next is a section I want to call how to be your front of house engineer's best friend. Um, the relationship between the front of house engineer and the drummer can be a complicated one. Are there any engineers in here? Just you. Two. Okay. So, number one, uh, number one, just remember the engineer has a huge job back there. And every Sunday, they are searching the desk for something that sounds amazing, that they can build a mix on or add to the mix, somebody that they can rely on. And so we want to be that person as the drummer. We don't want to be their biggest problem child. Um, a couple ways that I think you can be your front house engineer's best friend is be the first one there. So one thing we do at New Life is if sound check's at 7.30, drum check is at 7.15, I get there at 6.45. Because I want to show up, set up, tune. We'll talk about tuning. Again, I don't know, if, I don't know what your guys' setup is here, if your campuses want each of the drummers tuning individually. So that's something to work out with your teams. But if that's something you do, I would say... That's why you get there 45 minutes early. So you can tune the drums every time, make sure they're sounding like they're supposed to sound. And I'm going to teach you a little bit of tuning in a bit. Um, next would be get comfortable on the kit. And then be quiet. Um, if, you, if you're all sound checked and ready, then the rest of the band can get there. And they don't have to listen to the loudest instrument on stage playing over them when they're trying to say hello, greet each other, tune their guitars. You're, we are the most obnoxious instrument on stage. So get there early, be ready, and then just be quiet. If your front of house guy comes on stage anywhere near the drums, do not hit the drums. Their ears are sensitive, and a snare drum is not great to hear right in your ear hole before you're trying to mix for three services. So just be mindful of them. I think that goes a long ways. Um, 
Okay, next is find your sound check groove. Now, I don't know how you guys do checks around here, but we usually do individual drums, kick, snare, tom-tom. Play each of those individually for your engineer um, with space in between each one. So when the engineer asks you to kick the drum, uh, test the kick drum, don't go. That doesn't help them, and also don't go. And then when you get to the song, go. So you want to give them on each drum a proper strike and let the drum ring out. They need to hear how that drum is acting by itself. When it goes to snare, same thing. Maybe some ghost notes on the snare so they can test the gates or the compression. And then, is, and then your sound check groove is next. A lot of times they'll say, okay, can you, can you play full kit? And I think you should pick a groove that's really open so they can hear the whole kit interacting um, open and slow really is, what I think, what's preferable for this. So a lot of times drummers will go, they'll say, okay, play the whole kit. Suggest find a groove that you play every time that really works well for your front house guy um, and stick to it. And then you can get busy with fills and stuff later. Um, oh, I put this here in the notes. The, the next way would be to rehearse like you're going to play live. And this has to do a lot with dynamic range, you know. If you're not familiar with, with what goes on, Behind the desk for drums, there's, there's, it's a very complicated puzzle. There's eight to ten mics up here. Each one has EQ, compression, and gates. And then those all go to like a bus compressor. Um, and so it's really important that you have a consistent dynamic range. And we'll talk about the three C's of drumming. Um, but a consistent dynamic range, that means your hardest hit is your hardest hit. What you do in soundcheck. Then when you play live, that hardest hit is the exact same, or very close. Because what happens uh, if you play, let's say your dynamic range is from here to here, and you play the entire sound check here, they're going to dial in compression, gates, and EQ to react to the drums that way. And then when you get to the service and you play up here, you feel like you're giving it more energy, and the drums are going to be bigger and louder. But what happens is those compressors are squashing harder and harder, and they're actually doing the exact opposite of what you want to do. And so your engineer has to decide if he's going to try to chase that, if he's going to put you at more of a safe place in the mix, where he doesn't have to worry about you peaking really hard, um, you know, or if he's just going to leave it. And the way that you really get featured in a mix is to be super consistent so that they know they can basically set it and forget it almost with you. Not completely, but... Um, and that happens through dynamic range and consistency. Rehearse like you will play live, though. Um, volume and consistency. Next. You guys who are experienced, you know this stuff. So it's just a refresher. 
young guys, you may or may not know this, but it's really helpful and it will set you apart as you grow in your drumming. I put a very tiny note down there that says the first four notes of an audition are really important. And the first four notes, and every, every drum audition I've done, you know, not that I have auditioned, but when I have auditioned people to play, if people come in and they get the kit nice and comfortable, and then they go. I kind of feel like I know where it's going. Um, but if they sit down and they get the kit nice and comfortable and the first four notes are like this. I also have a clue where it's going. It's going to a better place because they're aggressive. They want to hit the drums. They know how to strike. So you don't have to be busy. You have to be confident. Keep that in mind if you ever have an audition. Just a side note. Next, we'll talk briefly about this three C's of drumming. Consistency, consistency, consistency. This is how you get featured in the mix. Not that it's about getting featured, but this is how you become someone that the front of house guy can rely on. They're excited when you show up. Consistency in your groove patterns, number one. Play the pattern like the record makes the band easy, makes it easier for the band to play with you. Consistency in your tempo and your timing, that means really dig in to working with the click. You're always locked in, same, t same way every time. And then, of course, consistency with your hitting, and we talked about that. That has to do with consistency in your dynamic range, meaning your soft hits are this, your medium hits are this, medium loud, loud, extra loud, are very consistent. So that's how, a, that's how an engineer can dial you in and leave you. They know when you get up to this top range exactly what it's gonna be. And when you're down here in your, in your low range, the backbeats, like if you're doing a groove with a lot of low range backbeats, they know that beat four of bar three isn't gonna like jump out and smack him in the face. They don't have to put you at a safe place in the mix. Chris McHugh, who is a Nashville a-list session drummer. I've heard him talk about inconsistency in velocity can actually trick your ear to think that there's inconsistency in your pocket or your groove. So that really consistent backbeat. When you go around the kit, every note is clear and coming through. Um, those are the three C's of drumming. Next is the idea of self-mixing. Um, and this has to do with this is another way to be your front house engineer's best friend. Self-mixing has to do with presenting a balanced image to your engineer. And the problem here is generally the cymbals. Um, you can't hit the cymbals as hard as you hit the shells. So if you have to get the energy out, take it out on the shells, not on the cymbals. Um, with cymbals, basically every mic on stage, your tom mics, your, your snare mic, the vocal mics, the mic that is in the lobby becomes a cymbal mic. And it's, it, that's the problem that engineers are kind of always dealing with. Usually if you're too loud, probably what's happening is you're, you're hitting your cymbals just too hard. Listen really quick to the difference between these two approaches to cymbals. I would say this is too hard. 
So that feels really good. Um, but it, it becomes disastrous in the mix because your toms, it, it, everything's going to start bleeding into this. So you can really accomplish that same energy with this. So it's, it's a subtle difference, but it's a massive difference. Not only does it keep your cymbals out of the mics a little bit better, it also helps with making space for the other instruments that fit in that frequency, specifically electric guitars. Um, so really important. That kind of changed the way I played and the way that I sounded live when I started backing off on the cymbals. And what made me do that was I, I started buying these 24-inch K-Lite rides. They're expensive. And I broke three of them. And then I stopped hitting so hard. <laughs> it took three. I was young. I don't know where I got the money from. When I think back, I'm like, what was I doing at 18 to be able to buy those? Um, so start thinking about that in your playing really intentionally. You can take a lot of energy out on the shells and not be too loud, especially when you're in, I think you guys have a full cage in this room, so you can really get after it. And I think, I was like to say, if you have a good engineer, the cage is freedom, because you can really hit the drums like they're supposed to be hit. Um, so next thing to do is um, listen back to yourself. If your campus live streams, please listen back. I, Every Sunday when I drive home, after I play, I put it on in my AirPods, and I listen back, just on the drive. Even if I've only listened to part of the service, it exposes your playing in a really good way. It lets you know the things that you're doing that you don't know you're doing. The thing that you thought was cool, that you hear back, and it's like, that was just not cool. Or the thing that you thought was terrible, and it really wasn't that bad. It's really important to listen back. So if you don't, if your campus doesn't live stream, maybe um, your front house engineer can provide a board mix. Even board mixes are the most exposing, and the and the worst, but also the best. <laughs> um, and then if you can't do that, I mean, put put your phone in the cage with you, record yourself somehow, but listen back. It's super important for your playing. Um, my joke didn't make it. I had two great jokes in here. Well, one was, do you remember the movie Independence Day? It was, this, it was a series of memes that I, I think described the relationship between the drummer and the front of house engineer. And the first one was in the alien, has the doctor behind the glass, and he goes, release me. And then the president, president says, there must be a way we could coexist and live peacefully. And the alien says, no peace. That is, that was my joke about drummers and sound engineers. Thank you. And then the other one was a picture of Ron Swanson in the hardware store. When the, the uh, attendee, attendee walks up and says, can I help you? And he says, I know more than you. Uh, don't be like that with your front of house engineer. Well, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that little clip. Good news. The workshop was much longer than that segment. And we are working on publishing the entire 
workshop in its entirety. Yeah. yeah. Very soon mm-hmm. um, in this new year. So you get to watch all that. Even if you're not a drummer, I think it's, if you're in the band, if you're mixing audio, man, just to hear what a drummer, and we want our woodman drummers to be thinking through and their thought process is really helpful to me, who's playing other instruments kind of on stage with them. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll let you know when that is released and available. But here at Woodman, we are about more than just the drums. We're about the whole band. <laughs> including the electric guitar. My personal, personal favorite. favorite. <laughs> That's my personal favorite instrument. And uh, we got a electric guitar workshop coming up on January 13th from 6.30 to 8.30 uh, at the Heights campus. Pretty sure, 90% sure. <laughs> hey, just check the planning center plan. It's going to be there, I promise. Uh, but we're bringing in Matt Pedesla, and he's a guy that I've uh, admired for a long time. Mainly plays with Matt Marr. It's the guy who wrote Your Grace is Enough. But over the years has played and recorded with uh, John Mark McMillan and Passion, Passion and Tomlin. Tomlin and Redman. And, um, yeah, has kind of been like a hired gun type of player for a long time. And so has a lot of experience playing with a lot of uh, different worship artists. And so he's coming in. It's super exciting, and he's going to do a two-hour workshop with us, and it's going to be great. January thirteenth, open to everyone yes. who would like to come. If I play, yep. if I play acoustic guitar, can I come? Absolutely. You didn't get a planning center invite, but if you want to come, make sure to let your worship leader know, MD know, let a worship staff know, and we'll make sure that we get you on that planning center plan. Great. It's great. I mean, it's it's just again, I've said this over and over again, but like it's just cool to hear people who are like good at what they do, mm-hmm. talk about their approach to it. I think it's just fun to hear that. So, And I have this working theory that Matt Podesla is just kind of like an older touring Carson. So we're going to all show up at the <laughs> workshop and see if that theory is correct. Well, we didn't. Andrew Fultz and I met him for coffee. Uh-huh. And Andrew and I, people keep giving us a hard time because we look so similar. Yes. Then we're standing there in the coffee so shop we're gonna with op- Matt, we're and it was like, oh, we're all just the same person. We're going to open the night by putting them kind of in a police lineup, and you have to pick <laughs> out who's who. That's why I grew the mustache. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right on that note, thanks for listening to the January episode. and Happy hope, New Year. Yeah. Hope to see some of you at the electric workshop. We'll see some of you on the weekend. And, uh, yeah. Big year ahead. A lot of... A lot of fun things in store, I think. <laughs> hard, hard to know. I can't sitting, wait. <laughs> hard to know sitting here on December 22nd and thinking about Christmas Eve in two days. But <laughs> you have me excited. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you next month. Okay. Bye. <laughs>